Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I'm here with Katie Goulis. And just a little news item before we begin. As you know, we keep you up to date on Light of the East about what's happening in the Eastern churches, especially where they find themselves at the exact epicenter of some of the most critical global issues of our day. Now, we see, of course, and sad to report that there were these bombings, these attacks on Christians, Eastern Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians in the Middle East, in Iraq, and in Egypt. And the Pope, rightfully so, as only he can do, has come out and made statements about that. And when he made the statement about the attack on the Coptic Orthodox Church in Egypt, the Egyptian government recalled its ambassador to the Vatican, saying that the Pope was out of line. He was interfering with government issues. But actually, the Pope was not. The Pope was doing what he is supposed to do. And what he said we should do in his encyclical, such as his very first encyclical, Deus Caritas, he talked about how the role of the church in relation to government, because it's always a question, the role of the church in relation to government is not to tell government what to do or to try to rule a country, but rather it is to inform a government, inform government leaders for right reasoning. In other words, to call them to justice, to call them to the right kind of reasoning in their discernments. And that's all the Pope was really doing. And it must have been powerful and effective because it had an effect on the Egyptian government. Now, the church says this, that in relation to the Pope's words, the urgent need for the governments of the region to adopt, in spite of difficulties and dangers, effective measures for the protection of religious minorities. This is what the Pope said. In other words, he wasn't just speaking about Christians, although primarily Christians, because this was the criticism by some of the Muslim leaders, but he was also talking about any minorities, anybody actually. The Pope is behind justice for all, and that's all he was doing. 
So he's doing the right thing. In the meantime, they're working out that relationship with the ambassador to the Vatican, who represents the government of Egypt. So we'll keep our eye on that, along with other things that are happening in Iraq and the Middle East. And again, we urge you to try to get in touch with, stay on board and informed with the Iraqi Christian Relief Council and their good charitable work among the Eastern Catholics and Eastern Christians, and actually among all Christians in Iraq in particular. And you can find out about them. You've heard about them on this program from time to time. You go to IraqiChristianRelief.org. That's IraqiChristianRelief.org. They could use your help and your support. Most importantly, stay informed so that we know what and with whom and how to pray and how much we have to pray. And again, I'm speaking on behalf of my Eastern brethren, of all the Eastern Catholic churches and Eastern Orthodox churches around the world, but in particular in the Middle Eastern area where they are being very, very much persecuted today. We all wish and want and pray for and hope and work towards, we ought to be working towards, unity between peoples, but also unity in the church. Recently, the church went through what they call the octave of unity, and this was a time every year, happens largely in January, where they come together with different ecumenical groups, they pray, they have services together, but it's generally just a kind of an overall consciousness of our need to work towards and pray for unity in the church. And that, of course, is part of the purpose of this program here. It's one of the main purposes of Light of the East. We believe that in sharing with you, especially if you're not familiar with the Eastern churches, in sharing with you our riches, In relation to the riches of the Western Church, or Western Lung of the Church, as John Paul II would call it, we believe that that works towards the cause of unity. In fact, that's what John Paul II asked us to do in his letter from which we get the name of this program, Light of the East. His letter was called Orientale Lumen, which means Light of the East, written in 1995, in which he encourages people to learn about the Eastern Churches for two reasons. To be enriched by them, which we hope is happening for you on this program, but also to work towards the cause of unity. Because the more we know about each other, the more familiar we become. And you know, when you become familiar with somebody or something, it's hard to dislike them. It's hard to hate them. It's hard to stay estranged from them. It's hard to be divided. The more we come to know one another, the more we grow closer, the more we trust each other, the more we learn and share each other's riches. So that's the point of this program. Again, inspired by John Paul II's apostolic letter. On this whole question of unity, we cannot escape that question without focusing on churches like mine. In other words, the Eastern Catholic churches. They're very much a focus in the discussions of unity between the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox churches. And the reason is this. In fact, there's two main issues right now that are stumbling blocks or things that still have to be worked out in terms of unity between the Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic Church. One of those issues is papal infallibility. In other words, the place, the jurisdiction of the Pope. How far does it actually stretch? The Orthodox have a problem with papal infallibility, as it is articulated by the Western churches. The second issue is us, Eastern Catholic churches, and what to do about them. The Orthodox have their definite thoughts on it, Of course, we are part of the whole Catholic Church because we are in union with the Pope of Rome. So naturally, the Roman Catholic Church values us, or so they should, of course, and they try to articulate that to the Orthodox. And the Orthodox, in return, have their own questions about the partial reunions of parts of their own churches. Because that's what the Eastern Catholic Churches are. The Eastern Catholic Churches, such as mine, came into existence when there were partial reunions between parts of the Orthodox Churches in the East and the Pope of Rome. 
It started to happen beginning in the 15th centuries. So we had partial unions, but not full unions between the churches of the East and the West. And that's really part of the bone of contention that the Orthodox have. On this note, somebody submitted to me a couple of comments they found on YouTube that they asked me to respond to, which I'll be responding directly to the individuals who wrote them. But it's worthy to respond to them on this program, Lay of the East, since we're talking about and working towards unity. Katie, what are these questions that these individuals had? Well, Father Tom, the username from YouTube is Liturgical Chance, and they said this, Why did certain parts of the Eastern Orthodox Church reunite with Rome? Here are three reasons. Number one, the Polish and Austrian empires would kill or exile them if they did not and confiscate their churches. Number two, the tithe that they were paying to the Patriarch of Constantinople had grown too high due to him being under Turkish control by the 17th century. And number three, the appeal of the education, money, and power within the Polish, Austrian, Latin world was strong, especially among nobles and boyars. Now, this sounds kind of negative, or kind of like the reasons for reunion were kind of perhaps self-serving. This individual actually is correct in many ways, however, not complete. And also, I think I would argue with the tone of it as well. The tone of it seems as though the entire motivation for reunion of these churches was, in a sense, suspect or just kind of self-serving. Well, what happened was, as he mentioned, in the 15th century, Islam overtook Constantinople, which, of course, was where our church came from, ultimately, the Byzantine church. It was once a great seat of Christianity, one of the greatest, actually, with the magnificent Hagia Sophia. But when Islam overran Constantinople, the patriarch at that time began to become progressively more disconnected from some of his outlying churches, such as the church that I come from, which is in the Slavic lands. You see, in these areas of Central Europe, in Russia, in the areas like in Bulgaria, Macedonia, and so on, these areas were converted to Christianity largely by the work of two brothers, St. Cyril and Methodius, and this happened in the ninth century. So they, they were Greek missionaries who brought with them primarily the Eastern perspective, the Eastern spirituality. And eventually from that, we have then the growth of the Byzantine churches in this region of the world. Now, what happened was these churches had their patriarch in Constantinople. Even to this day, the Greek Orthodox patriarch is in Constantinople, and his name is Patriarch Bartholomew. Constantinople, though, today is known as Istanbul which is in the country of Turkey. Originally, it was Byzantium. Centuries ago, when Constantine, the Roman emperor, discovered Byzantium, kind of fell in love with it and moved the seat of the Roman Empire to Byzantium. And then it was renamed Constantinople after himself. I always find myself calling it Constantinople. I guess it'll always be Constantinople to me. <laughs> but actually, it's the modern-day Istanbul. The Patriarch of Constantinople was the patriarch of these Eastern Christians in the areas of Central Europe in southern Europe, and in the area of, like, for instance, Russia. And eventually, immigrants from here, many centuries later, spread throughout the world, even to the Western world. And that's how I come from one of these churches. My family ancestry came from Central Europe, and eventually, of course, came into America. And that is how I am a Byzantine Catholic, born and raised a Byzantine Catholic. But centuries ago, this church, these churches in this region of the world, were under the Patriarch of Constantinople, who became disconnected once Constantinople fell to the Turks in the 15th century. And so this church was hurting. It was wanting. It was disconnected from its leader. And of course, it was looking for leadership. It was looking for help. 
We're going to talk more about that as look at the why behind the reunion of a lot of the Eastern Catholic churches. So stay with us here on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Gentlemen, would you like to know what a woman's greatest desire is? I am Father Thomas Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Women have an open space inside their bodies. It's called a womb. By its very nature, an open space seeks to be filled. A woman's greatest desire, therefore, is to be fulfilled through intimate, meaningful relationship. This is why, gentlemen, women need to actually hear the words, I love you. Pope John Paul II said that man is the one who loves, and woman is the one who is loved. In the order of creation, it is all about the bride. And men actually become real men by making sure it is all about the bride. This is because men have the same body as Jesus Christ. And for Jesus Christ, it was all about his bride. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Leah with Katie Goulis. We're talking about unity and the why behind the reunions of the Eastern Catholic churches. In other words, these were the partial reunions, starting in the 15th century, of parts of the Orthodox churches with the Pope of Rome. And we had someone on YouTube who was commenting on that and giving their interpretation of it, which was largely accurate, but not complete, and I would take issue with the overall tone of it. It's kind of negative. Because the other part of the completeness of the story is this. There was in the 15th century a council, the Council of Florence, which was a council of unity. And in fact, on a certain level of the church, they agreed to unity between the Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic Church. Now, a lot of the reasons behind this would actually want what went down, as it were, in this council is sometimes questioned by a lot of scholars, depending on how you look at it. But nonetheless, they came away from the council with the idea of reunion. 
Well, this reunion didn't really take on the lower levels of the church. In other words, it seemed to be agreeable to the highest levels of the church between East and West. But once it got through the rank and file in the mid-levels of the church, eventually it just did not take. There was kind of a reaction to it. It was not accepted. But there was still a residue of this attempt at reunion. And to find out more about this, I would direct all the listeners to the work of a Byzantine Catholic scholar. His name is Athanasius Pekar, Father Athanasius Pekar, who writes about the history of the Byzantine Catholic churches. And he does point to this and say that part of the reason for the reunions, which began in the 15th centuries, was in fact influenced by the residue of the unity that was achieved in a certain way at the Council of Florence. So there was also a positive, at least a residue of a positive development that was the motivation behind the reunion of these Eastern Catholic churches. Now, getting back to their needs, as I mentioned earlier before the break, the Eastern Catholic churches found themselves more and more disconnected from their patriarch in Constantinople because Constantinople was overrun by the Turks at that time. This is in the 15th century. And so they sought help. At that time, missionaries, especially from Germany, had been coming over actually for quite some time and kind of making overtures, as it were, to the people of the region that we know as the Slavic lands. Because you see, the Slavic lands, we're talking about Hungary, Ukraine, Romania, Slovakia, these regions of Europe represent a kind of a crossroads, a meeting point between East and West. This is what we call Central Europe. And so there's always a bit of a, as it were, tug of war between the Eastern and Western churches for evangelizing these people. And that's why to this day in a country like Slovakia, you have in the eastern part of Slovakia a very large Eastern Catholic or Byzantine Catholic presence, whereas in the western part of Slovakia, it's more Roman Catholic. Now, Slovakia is only about as big as a particular state in the United States. You know, even though we're talking about a country, we're not talking about a huge piece of land. Within this piece of land, as small as it is, as modest as it is, you actually had then the meeting point of east and west, where half of this country is Byzantine Catholic, and the other half is largely Roman Catholic. It just gives you an example of the meeting point of this area, this region. Now, during this time, the Western Church, which was not being overrun by the Islam at the time, basically you could say was in better shape, as it were. Their educational systems, their institutions, their government, the church, was in a stronger state than it was in the East at this time. And as they made overtures to the East, yes, the Eastern Christians in these areas of Central Europe began to kind of be enticed. They began to look at, well, you know, for our survival and for to become better educated as clergy, to have a better situation, to be more grounded, more solidified, more connected, we're going to try this reunion thing. And that's one of the reasons they reunited. Was there coercion? Was there some tyranny? Yes, there was that mixed in as well. As I mentioned, the person from YouTube who wrote this was accurate in many ways. I would just say it was not complete, and the overall tone was a little bit too negative to bring about the real truth of the why behind the reunions between the parts of the Eastern Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic Church. These churches, of course, are now known as the Eastern Catholic Churches. And then there was also another comment made on YouTube as well in this regard. That's right, Father Tom. And this is from the same commenter as the previous one. And it says, The most important fact to remember is that these intercommunions between East and Western churches are not based on love or theological agreement. To this day, the relationship, ecclesiologically and theologically, is significantly flawed and artificial, or at least not in harmony with each other. Yet, God still works through them. Well, Kenny, I'd like to respond to that. Again, there is some hard truth here, some hard truth to swallow, but it is still incomplete, 
And the tone of it, I think, is, again, overly negative. He says here, this individual, or he or she, says that to this day, the relationship is ecclesiologically and theologically is significantly flawed and artificial, or at least not in harmony with each other. And he also said, or she said, that it's not based on love or theological agreement. Well, first of all, when the reunions happened, what actually was said, in fact, was that the Eastern churches could reunite with Rome and remain entirely intact as they are. In other words, there was no problem with their theology. They could reunite with Rome as they were. Did this happen perfectly and entirely? No, it didn't. Once there was the official reunions, there was and has been a history of the West largely not quite understanding the Eastern theology and at times even exerting a force or an influence that we should change or accept the Western ways. At the same time, on the Eastern part, there was a certain sense, because again, we were a bit ragtag at the time, there was a certain sense of being inferior and wanting to be accepted by the West, which was so much bigger and so much well-established and stronger at that time in history. And so the East themselves began to, in a sense, lose or divest themselves, almost out of a shame, at the same time a desire to be accepted, divest themselves of what was truly their own identity. So it wasn't just a matter of the West persecuting the East. It was also a matter of the East losing itself in the name of acceptance and out of a sense of feeling inferior. But in terms of love, well, no greater love has any man than he lays down his life for his brother. And the Eastern Catholic churches, especially under communism, have literally drenched the lands of Central Europe and Russia with their blood and filled the air of that land with their suffering. People like Theodore Romja, Bishop Theodore Romja, who has been beatified by the Pope, Bishop Goidich, Bishop Hupko, and many, many others, nuns and priests and laity, cantors, families, married priests. In fact, we recommend a book on this program called Finding a Hidden Church by Father Christopher Zuger to get the very, very moving, moving and well-documented account of this this shedding of blood out of love on the part of the Eastern Catholics for not only for Christ, that of course is enough for the gospel, but also out of loyalty to the Pope of Rome, out of loyalty and a value of this union. So I would say that is a great deal of love. And yes, it is not perfect, but there certainly is love in it. So to say that there was no love or there was no theological agreement is to be inaccurate about these reunions. To say they're significantly flawed, well, there's flaws, but not significantly flawed. They are, for real, valid unions. The Uniate model is one that, on certain levels of ecumenical dialogue, is said to one that the churches, East and West, would no longer follow. However, one has to look with curiosity at what has just happened with the Anglican Church, with the Pope allowing married Anglican priests to come over to the Catholic Church, and has even set up a specific structure for them. This is maybe not per se a uniate church, but it is something very, very similar. So there must be some kind of value in a partial reunion of certain churches from other sides of each other. So these unions, from the very conception, have had, yes, a mixed motive. They've had a mixed history. They've had some flaws, still have flaws. But at the same time, there is something very real and sincere about them, to the point where many have shed blood for their cause. 
And also, these unions are not artificial, nor are they without harmony. There is a great harmony between the Eastern Catholic Churches and the Latin Rite Church, and there is also disharmony, as there might be between any bodies within the church, with any groups. There's always some degree, because the human heart remains still a bit undivided in various degrees because of original sin, whether within the church or without. But it doesn't mean that the union itself is therefore invalid. Might have flaws, might have lots of, lots of things to work out, but that is the destiny of the Eastern Catholic Church, is to work out the reality of these unions, the why behind them, and their ultimate destiny. And that's what we're dedicated to in this program, unity between all the Christian churches, especially between the Eastern lung of the church and the Western lung of the church, as John Paul II would say. And hopefully we arrive at that union by looking at our histories as honestly as possible in charity, and above all, discovering and sharing each other's riches with one another. Because as we come to know each other, truly know each other, and truly know each other's history honestly, accurately, lovingly, we cannot help but come closer together. I appreciate your listening to us here. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer with Katie Goulas on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, CatholicRadioInternational.com.